0: Kids, tell Clippy to go himself and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 395 with guest Mark Miller, recorded live at Dev Connections in Las Vegas Wednesday, November 12th, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training, Sahil Malik on DVD DNR TV style order your copy now at www.franklins.net support is also provided by Taleric combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first class customer service online at www.telerik.com and by Code Magazine the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who's still trying to get rid of those extra rows in his spreadsheet, Carl Franklin!
1: Hey Las Vegas, welcome to .NET Raw! Hey, Richard. Howdy, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm well and all that. We are in front of probably 10,000 people here in Las Vegas. A throng. I've never
2: seen such a crowd. Ten. There must be 10,000. Maybe 11. Two throngs. Mm-hmm. Two throngs. Two and a half. How are you, man? I'm well. I did my big session this morning, the one server to two with all of the, the little miniature servers and stuff. So glad to have that done because it was hard work to make it all run. I actually got up early. I had an 8 a.m. session. I got there at 6.
3: I'm actually wearing two thrones right now. Oh my God! Who are you? (laughs) It's Mark Miller, ladies
1: and gentlemen. Mark Miller. (laughs) Mark was on the show a little while ago talking about the science of great UI, and we did a a couple of DNR TV episodes, at least one that I can remember. And uh, to continue on that topic, let's uh, let's pick it up where we left off. The the science of great it is a science. You've changed the name though. What's one of the first things that I brought up was, isn't user interface, like, don't you have to be a guy, like a designer guy, to do good user interface? Yeah, know? that was the old days.
3: You used yeah. to be that way. In fact, designers, I think, held a, an unbalanced amount of power because developers were like, well, okay, that's an area totally outside of my comfort zone, what I've been trained in. Yeah. And so designers would say, well, here, here's the design, take it, run with it, and the developers would would grumble because it was hard to implement, or maybe it didn't feel right. It was focus maybe wasn't working well, or maybe there's some distracting elements. But they didn't have the the power to go back to the designer, the vocabulary, the, the 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 rules, the criteria for judging it to go back. So
1: so this isn't for designers. This is for developers. Yep. So you can actually fake it
2: pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And I see from the title here you called it Great UX.
3: Yeah, I've changed it. I kind of go back and forth. I I think UX makes more sense because it's user experience, um, although UI is a little more well-known, right? So when when you say UI to most people, they kind of think, kind of, they, the stuff kind of on the, right, the screen. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of. Well, they're kind of. They, they're kind of with you when you say UI, even though UX is more accurate.
2: What is, I mean, what does the X add to it, really?
3: Well, it's. It is. Uh, you know, that's a great question. I had a good answer for that at some point when I made the change. Went away. Now I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't
2: know. It's, it's like you add drugs to the equation. Yeah, now it's, it's an experience. Right. Well,
3: I think part of it. The, it's. It's a term that's more used inside of Microsoft now instead of UI. So they're kind of. In, and the idea is to say, hey, it's more than just you know the the interaction. It's, everything it's, it's it encompasses more and, and and it's kind of like how I like to think of it as well too. It's not usually when you think of UI you're thinking of what the images you see and you know the the, the keystrokes and yeah. the button and the mouse interaction. But I think there's a lot more to it as you know we've talked about in the other sessions, yeah. the the other talks we've done. It's it's a lot about how how much your mind is working, right? Is it is something effortless and easy or is it you know require precision and thought and and and, and extra concentration or 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 maybe extra steps. And or, or maybe memory tricks, right? To you know, yeah, that's part of the my whole shortcut
2: view. key thing, right? Exactly, yeah. things like that. Yeah. I also think there's a, there are UIs out there that create fear. I mean, I've seen users where they they do the task you told them to do on the app, and then they say, "Okay, what did it do?" They can't read the screen. They can't make sense of it, so they're afraid of it. Or
3: or the other thing, and I think developers do this maybe more than regular users. They're more willing to because developers generally have a high capacity for complexity, and that is to essentially program the workarounds into your head so that you know whenever that crazy behavior is that you have to work around or the thing you have to do you just do that extra step yeah. almost without thinking yeah. because you have to do it all the time right and then the point behind this is is okay and 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 the example I've given a couple times is is I'm I'm leaving my hotel room and I'm going to the elevator and I want to press a button it's either going to be up or down well if I'm in my hotel room it's likely to be down right? And if that button is small and tiny, I have to, you know, use a lot of focus to get my finger to hit it. Mm-hmm. If it's very big, I can slam it and I don't even have to think about it, right? Yeah. And it's that, it's that we're talking about that kind of effort, you know, comparison happening again and again and again in the program. If it's easy to use, easy, the things you do all the time are very easy, effortless, then you get this general sense of euphoria while you're using that software. Do
1: you think there's a tendency for developers to want to put uh, every control for everything on one screen? instead of sort of... Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I
3: Again, I think it goes back to our inherent ability to handle complexity Right, and 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 coupled with that, because you're talking about well, what you're talking about has a number of impacts. One is noise. Yeah. You start throwing a lot of stuff at you, it gets noisy, right? Yeah. Um. Another thing that's kind of related to that is this, you know, the, the a developer-driven kind of decision that I think is kind of maybe in the wrong direction, and that is um, flexibility in the UI, like over flexibility. Like it wasn't long ago that I could you know install an application from Microsoft, click on the file menu, and all of a sudden the file menu and everything else popped out. In Its own toolbar, yeah, right, and and that's an example of over configurability, right? Because what happens now? Most of the people that hit that don't want it. It just did something that I didn't want, Hmm. right? It's almost it's 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 also you know over like it's like caps lock. I you know I hit caps lock often unintentionally, right? And I'm like ah.
2: And rarely ever intentionally. Right.
3: So exactly. why is the key so big? Yeah, why is the key so big? And and and, and what else about Caps Lock is interesting? Microsoft probably devoted, you know, man months to a feature that checks to see if the first two characters are uppercase in some word that you just typed in. Mm. And lowercase is the second one. Right. Right, or the second and third or something like mm. that. Well, that's right? just
2: because we're slow off the shift,
3: right? If I do this, what is it like M A R K like that in spacebar there? They wrote that feature man weeks probably <laughs> because of the you know well that actually was shift not caps lock right there. But I, the caps lock well, I'm sorry. Let me let me speak correctly here. Caps lock is on, and I do uh, what shift here and then M A R K space, and now it says caps lock off. You can see in the bottom right that it's just done that and corrected for me. That was the that was the thank you Richard by the way for keeping us on track. so I'm noise attention. is
1: the, noise is the big uh, is one big problem. And noise is just extraneous bad contrast or, or just anything that's taking away your attention from what you right. want to so do. Right, so noise
3: can come in the form of data, Yeah. right? And, and and here's one of the things that we, because we're not working on paper anymore, we're working on a screen, one of the strategies for dealing with a lot of data is to put it in a window, right? Yeah. And so when you have a lot of data, which can, you know, there can be noise, if I'm looking for something in a small window, it's like, you know, compounding the pain. Right, I was looking, reading through a EULA a couple days ago because I'm installing everything on the new machine, and it has three lines that I could see visible (laughs) out of pages of EULA, and it was. Insane to me, the expectation I was supposed to read this and understand it.
1: I think the expectation is that you're just supposed to say I agree.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that is. I think so. There might have been a strategic reason for that. Yeah. I talked about this earlier today. I did. I did a session here on this, and I talked about you know why why would they you know it's almost like conspiracy theory, but they have some choices, right? Why in a eula do they put it in a small box? to use a fixed pitch font often, right? Mm -hmm. Like Courier New, which is hard to read, and all uppercase a lot of the time. Why do they make these mm. choices instead mm. of just making it easy for me to read? Mm. It's as if they don't want me to read it. And I think there are government forces behind it.
2: There <laughs> <laughs> come the black helicopters. <laughs> or maybe not, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. So, but you press I agree.
3: You press I agree? Have you agree. ever pushed Cancel? You ever seen what happens when you push cancel? I have like once or twice and it doesn't install.
2: Yeah, oddly enough.
3: Once I got it to install. Somebody By to I don't agree. agree and it's still installed. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody ought to know.
1: write a utility to press all the next
3: buttons. That's but. funny. Yeah, I actually wrote that. That's the install That's button. That's why I said it, yeah. Yeah, I know. You're prepping me buddy. for the joke. Yeah, I am. This is kind of like Johnny Carson. But they, I took the punchline. So. I heard sorry. you were in a bar the other day. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
1: so besides noise, what else are we up battling against? You know our own our own history of bad UI.
3: Well, I don't. You know, so we talk about noise. Noise is a a really big one. I think kind of related this to your question. I'm kind of jumping a little bit ahead. It's if I'm now in the mindset of somebody who wants to fix the UI, right? I got a sense that okay, um, we got a problem here. We our code is not as our, our application is not as efficient as it could be. Let's fix it. What happens is a common trap that you get into is you're moving along and you're almost done with the fix, right? And then you realize as you're approaching user testing or maybe in the middle of user testing that we have a discoverability problem. In other words, we're more efficient now but less discoverable because we've changed the model that all our customers expect. Okay. Classic example of this is when I first installed Office 2007. You know, in the upper left-hand corner, this little button here was glowing on me. For the, and I think I told the story yeah. to you guys before for like yeah. three days. And, and, and it was three days before I actually clicked on it.
1: Yeah, it was, I had the same exact experience.
3: Okay, and, I, and one other person that said the same thing. They said it, it was like glowing, and they had no idea what was glowing. Right. So here's what's in my mind as far as the explanation for that. Microsoft put a lot of money into researching and making the ribbon work really well. Okay? And then as they approached user testing, they realized, maybe too late, that they had a discoverability problem. So some guy says, let's make it glow. And they said, okay, good. We solved it. And we've got a hint that pops down if you hover the mouse over it. And I think they solved it, but I don't think they did. Right? And so this is kind of a common trap. So yes, what, you know, what kinds of other things are we up against? I kind of jumped ahead to the, in the mindset sure. there, but that's like one of the things. Related to this though, now that we're talking about it, is discoverability, right? How do we, how does the user understand the application? What the application can do for them. Right. And that, to me, that is a, another topic that I love talking about. We, we've come a long way. I mean, it, it was sometime in the last, I want to say, 16 years, maybe 20 years max, but 16 years, I think, that somebody invented tooltips for buttons, right? You hover over the button and, whoa, it tells you what the button does. That's discoverability, right? It's at its most basic form. Now, in, check it out in the in office, we hover over this, and we actually get kind of a, a rich document, right? We can this show pictures.
1: This is the button in the corner. In the button the in the corner, it's... right?
3: So we've got a picture of the button inside of the UI yeah, almost, right? Yeah. It says, hey, if you click the button, look what's gonna happen. You'll get a menu, just click me, right? Right? And then over here, like for example, discoverability, if we start inter- interacting with this, right, you see things happening in the background as right. well, right? Where I'm, I hear what I'm doing for or We are recording, right? So so for the listeners, what yeah. I'm doing is I'm, I'm I've got Word open, I've got some text selected, and I'm moving up and down the font size um, view. I haven't selected a font yet, but I'm just ch- hovering over the numbers, and, and you it, can see what it's going to happen. What's going to happen when you right, do? The text changes the background. That's yeah. discoverability. Yeah. It's super powerful, yeah. right? Especially here, and I call this preview hinting. I don't know if Microsoft has a name for this, but I call it preview hinting, and um, and and it's just essentially like tool tip. You can think of it as like a tool tip on steroids. Sure. But in the old days. When we wanted to ease our customers into trying out the application, right? Give, you know, make them feel more comfortable. We would say, unlimited undo. (laughs) Right? You got unlimited undo. You you, can, you can't can't screw this up. Don't worry. You can explore all you want. But there's still a cost, right? Sure. Before unlimited undo, the cost was huge. We'd save, try it. Oops. It didn't work. Revert. Right? If we couldn't, if we didn't have unlimited undo. So this is this is kind of cool stuff. Being able to make see the change beforehand because yeah. there is in fact a cost in undo, right? The old cost was huge. Undo cost is smaller, but you still, still have to try stuff before it. Yeah, you, before you, you can undo, you have it. to try. You have to analyze to see if what you wanted was what, what you expected was what happened. Yeah, and then if it's not, then you have to undo. I think that's there's why risk. they used
1: to call it hacking, just using a computer. You know, sure. Yeah,
3: because I guess there's you're, something. Because you're
1: trying try. and you know.
3: Yeah. so so discoverability is huge and and if you give somebody a preview of what will happen before they click on the menu or the button um, that to me is huge big leads to satisfaction and trust Customer, if the customer sees a correlation between the preview and what really happens they trust the preview the next time they see it in some other feature
1: so we got noise we got discoverability what are some of the scientific ways now not just aesthetic scientific ways that we can reduce noise and increase discoverability
3: Okay, well, the first thing, this is kind of more of a practical approach, I suppose, that I would recommend. I mean, it's kind of almost obvious, but it is, if you're going to go make some effort to fix something, you want to fix something that happens again and again and again. It's like in survival training. They teach you, if you're going to go through the process of seeing if food is poisonous or not, which involves, like, rubbing it on your skin and then on your lips and then taking a little bit, waiting you know, all this time, first check to see if there's a lot of that around. Yeah. Right, you don't want to do it on the small thing, right? And the same thing with with improving efficiency, that sort of thing. You want to do it on the things that your people, that your customers use all the time. I would say,
1: see if someone else has done it first. In other words, <laughs> it's search. Use <It's> a search <laughs> engine. Look right. for
2: dead guys.
3: Speaking of which. <laughs> I was talking to the guys from, and I'll do a plug for another company here, I was talking to the guys from Preemptive Software, and they've got a really cool thing, you know, they do the obfuscation stuff, yeah. right? And they've got a new feature that I guess is in beta, and I'm assuming I can talk about it, because nobody said NDA when I was told this. They have a cool feature that allows you to essentially very easily track usability and get those stats back. In other words, find out what features your customers are using, right? Which will also tell you what features they are not using, hmm right and that is uh, valuable right metrics are valuable so if you don't have a sense of what your customers are doing a lot of get it first and this solution from preemptive is at least the way it was described to me over the table i didn't see it in action was very very intriguing
1: it'd be interesting what you do with that data because somebody not using a feature could mean two things they could mean that a they haven't discovered
3: it or b they don't need it exactly right and the thing is is that well you have to you know apply some of your own knowledge too right in other words Holy cow, this is a feature they should be using and it's going to make them more efficient, that sort of thing. Right. Um, I think I gave this example before, but Google does a really nice, simple example of this. If you click the button to do the search, it puts up a little message, or at least they did, that said, hey, next time hit enter. It'll be a little faster. Yeah. Right? So they've got a little bit of that going on, right? They've got, they know whether you click or hit enter, I think, is what's going on Mm -hmm. in there. So, um, so so let me see if I can backtrack. You we were like So I asked you to, about some scientific examples of right. how to reduce noise so, and So so how to how to reduce data. these things? Well, one of the ways that you can reduce noise is if you have a sense of what they're looking for. Well, I, I guess there's a couple couple approaches for noise. One is is widen the window that you're seeing the data in a couple things, right? Widen the the window so it's not looking at a small window. Number two is um you can have a, a filtering ability, right, where I type in something to filter out the pieces that are there, right, to just the things I want. Alright, so here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm inside of a, of, of a list of, of identifiers in my application. I've got members and fields and things inside of here. Mm-hmm. And I typed in an uppercase C and an uppercase R. And now what it's doing is it's, it's, it's filtering out only the elements that have the letters C and R in them. And because I made those uppercase, it's prioritized the list and showing me, um, the very first one, it shows me a, a method called create internal ref. And the C and the R are in red, showing the match, and the I, the uppercase I is in blue, showing it I didn't match there, right? But it allows me to come in and filter very quickly. So this is kind of a neat example of how to filter. In fact, I'd love for IntelliSense to be able to do this kind of thing as sort well. Sort of be
2: case-sensitive for priority. Yeah.
3: The other thing, let's talk about IntelliSense, see if I can come up with a great example for this. If um, I'm not sure if I can on the fly here. Oh, it looks like I can. So um, let's do checkbox dot and start typing stuff in here. Okay. So here I've typed in C H E C. And in fact I can probably go back even to just C H. Let's just get to C H E. Alright, so I'm at C H E. I've got a checkbox instance, I've got a dot, and I've typed in C H E. Yeah. It's suggesting check a line. Okay? But what I want is check state. See it's down like a couple. It's down like one, two, three from where I am. Right. So to get to there, I have to either keep typing, which is a pain, or get my hands off the home keys, move to the arrow, which is a bit of a pain, and down, down, down until I see it and hit enter. Which is probably what you're going to do because it's the most efficient. But And I've actually suggested this to the Visual Studio team. I'd love for them to implement this. What if at this point in typing CHE, I could just press shift enter, for example, and it would now fill in up to the next... Uh, uppercase letter that I've got here, right? Right, or at least what all these pieces are in common that you're seeing here that I've matched so far. I've got all of these C H E C K, right?
1: Actually, if you type uh, E, it should go to checked, and if you type
3: no, no, because I've only typed in C H E, I have to type in C K.
1: Right, but you should if you type the next letter that isn't common. Perhaps it should go to the.
3: Well, but from here, although if I type in E, I can't do no, that no, here. No, of course you can't, but it, yeah. that
1: would be a, that would be one way to short the yeah, but point. But I does not know the difference between
3: what I want and what I'm trying to get, I guess. I guess so you're right. so well, I mean we might be able to do that. Another thing we could do is maybe this, right? Type in uppercase CCA and maybe it says just starts filtering, it says uh, I see check a line in there. Right filtering uh, the yeah. same way you just saw. We yeah, could yeah. maybe do that too. Yeah. Right? It's interesting. Was there a comment from So that would rock. That, that would, would rock. rock. Yes, it right. would. So that would rock. Yeah. So, um, so, so, you're, you said you know what are the scientific ways for doing this? I, you know, I'm not really kind of into science yet here, but this, okay. not mixing any beakers up. But, but, but filtering is good. Another thing is, is if I know what I'm trying. And oh, by the way, back to filtering. You know, when IntelliSense is up, I've got events, uh, methods, and properties. Right. Maybe I am just looking for an event. I mean, how many times have we been looking for an event? Yeah. All that other stuff we just like to get rid of. I could just yeah. do it with tabs or checkbox or something somewhere. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. If it's gonna help me reduce the noise, I will reach over to the mouse, grab and click a checkbox. You know, in other words, that's gonna still save me time if I can cut through all that noise. Mm. Um, Another way is if you know what they're looking for, what the expected information is, then you can take the unexpected information and highlight that in some manner. Right? Like maybe I'm looking at sales and I got some guy who's way out, way out on, you know, on the extreme or somebody who's really underperforming. I could mark those and highlight those for the customer. So, using some visual indicators. Mm-hmm.
1: And speaking of visual indicators, contrast is a big thing for you. And you can see it. Anyone who's used Code Rush or Refactor knows that uh, contrast plays a big role
3: in that. Yeah, I think I think we do a pretty good job of not pushing it over the edge, right? With the contrast. In yeah. fact, the, the 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 thing that I always think of when I think of of contrast are these lines here that they draw in VB. Yeah, these ver- these uh, horizontal separator lines. Bars, yeah, the lines. Separator bars. Yeah, the separator bars, whatever, between methods in VB. Um, these are not as bad as I think they started. I think they started completely black, mm-hmm. and now they're like 128, 128, 128 medium gray, Yeah. right? But they are, in my opinion, still too high contrast against the against the background. Yeah, it should drop down, or at least there should be an option. It should be a to little that. more
1: subtle. So it, the the idea is that higher contrast draws your eye to it, yeah. and therefore you things that should aren't that important should be. Sort right.
3: One of right. the topics we talked about before is contrast should match information relevance. Yes. Right. And the 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 information I'm getting from that horizontal line. Is almost irrelevant, right? Right. It's pretty low, and 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 check this out. So, so like if we go over into we contrast that with like um, inside of uh, uh, Excel, you see that the lines that separate the cells are low contrast, yeah, right. And in the old days, they used to look like that.
2: Right? Ah! Dark black. So, wow, that's horrible. And dark so it black. looks
3: like, you know, it, it seems like Microsoft learned the lesson, right? It seems yeah. like we're on a better path. And yet I'm over here inside uh, Outlook and I want to insert a new table and look at how dark the lines are. They're just giving me the black lines again, mm. right, by default. And it's just, it's yeah. unnecessary. It's, it's, it's a simple, simple change. And it's, it's still here, right? We still have the problem.
1: And of course, you know, it adds to noise when you have lots of high contrast elements in one screen or in one, you know, one uh, thing that you're supposed to select from, one pane.
3: Ah, see, now now Richard has grabbed the mouse and he's clicked. He said, well, Mark, you can just click the... uh, Change the the style. style." Change the style. Well, I noticed I did
2: not click to change the style. Oh, you haven't clicked yet. I have actually, yeah, just hovered over it and seen the different styles. And
3: looked at the style. Yeah, beautiful. And speaking of which, um, I think it would be a good time to talk about what they do really well in the ribbon.
2: Okay. Is that
1: okay? I love the ribbon. I was, I was very skeptical of it. Yeah, first. but I remember, yeah. 2000,
2: was it 2005 when we yeah. first saw the ribbon in the at RD meeting? The RD meeting, meeting and we and were we like, all what hated the it. hell is 50, this? 50, you know, 50 yeah. Microsoft influencers sitting in a room going, sucks. Yep. Yeah.
3: So there are three things about the ribbon that I really like. Um, one of them is, is the preview hinting that they've got integrated with mm. it you could almost argue that, wait, that's not really the ribbon, it's something else, but it's something you can do with the ribbon and it's pretty much, there's a lot of elements of the ribbon that that interact with what is selected yeah. in terms of making that change. So you've got that preview hinting in the ribbon. The second thing that I like about it is it's context sensitive.
1: And it switches when we, you switch context. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
3: It understands what the context is, shows you the most relevant piece there. Right. The third thing I like about it is they make good use of size. The things that I need to do more frequently tend to be bigger. Yep. Okay? And the easiest way to prove that is if we go over to message and you look at paste is bigger than cut and copy. And it doesn't yeah. take too much of a of a logical path to follow to understand that that there's no way that cut is going to be greater than paste. Or copy itself is going to be greater than paste.
2: Right? <laughs> than paste, right? Yeah, it's it's sure. unlikely, at least. It's unlikely. Well and, and and you're right, paste owns a huge I mean the leftmost piece of real estate on that bar. This is a very important piece and, and obviously one of the buttons right. even I use the most.
3: Which is the drop down right there for that? That,
2: that whole paste. Well, I I'm, I find myself pasting special a lot but then I'm a, special. I'm a special guy.
3: You are special. Yeah. You
1: touched are. some would say some would yeah say that.
3: so they make good use they make really good use of size and i like that a lot and that, you know so the thing is is here you know they did you know they do all this user testing they come back and they say look you know we just showed it to the rds the rds all hated it but our user testing is showing us that those guys are liking it that they're getting the work tests done faster they're discovering faster new users are discovering faster Go well ahead. it just goes to
1: show you they shouldn't always listen to the rds right
3: well, yeah, maybe, in the sense of right, I mean, in the sense of what what 's an r d right you know a, a hardened, bitter, old program
2: right? <laughs> I have emphasis on the bitter.
3: So, well, I mean, you know,
1: it's just the probably everybody had that experience oh. when they first saw the ribbon. Well, the more Richard experienced just,
2: you were with Office, the less you liked it. Right.
3: Richard just did something else that was really cool. He selected some text and moved the mouse up. And then as he moved the mouse up, this, this and you see this a lot through Office, uh, this other UI yeah. element starts to fade in as we move up. All really? the things
1: that you can do is selected text.
3: Yeah, and this is really cool. This is, what this is, what we're doing now is we're moving the things that we would normally be messing with, with the mouse closer to the mouse. Yeah. Right? So, so rather than having to go this. all the way
2: back to the top of the toolbar, we're right by our selection.
3: Exactly. And I like that a lot. And I just wonder if I were to put the mouse over here and select the code, so I think we'd d- still put it near the text as I move the mouse. No, it doesn't even do it. I have to come, yeah, it doesn't even do it there. Interesting. So I have to select the text with the mouse to bring it up. Let's try one more time just to, to verify that. I'll put the mouse somewhere in here. So select. you're moving the mouse away. I'm selecting with the keyboard, moving the mouse up. Yeah, yeah but if you nice. select with the keyboard... See, this is nice.
2: It's thoughtful, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. nice. Only when you select with the mouse does the, mu- does the sort of mouse menu appear. Mm-hmm. When you select with the keyboard, it doesn't appear.
3: It doesn't appear when you move the mouse up. What's sweet, interesting sweet, is sweet, unless sweet. you
2: would, you had to, you didn't know that off the top of your head. You really had to prosecute that yep. to prove that yep. somebody thought about that it. That somebody's
3: thinking. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I love to see. Because, yeah. you know, if I may be so bold as to maybe offer a critique towards, you know. Would he be that uh, bold?
2: They don't, uh, yeah, you would
1: be
3: normally. Boy. They don't have a, a reputation for nailing it in the UI department.
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow, they that don't. is the most politically Whoa. polite phrase I've ever heard Mark Miller say. <laughs> Seriously. ever.
3: <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's it's these guys are in some ways so far behind the leaders, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, now I'm going into the the, the part that's going to now be you, me dig forever. you dig it deeper forever. Dig it deeper, but you know, or whatever. But the <laughs> the you know. When you see, the, the, like, for example, stuff in the iPhone, and I'm not getting any commissions and selling it, but when you see the UI behind the iPhone or you see uh, the UI behind Adobe Lightroom, right, and you yeah. see this attention to de- detail and design and thought, mm. and then you go look at something that's trying to imitate it, mm. right, that's either coming out of another company, and it doesn't have to be just Microsoft, but another company, you see they're trying to imitate it, but then it doesn't really, they haven't put all the, of that thought in there. So that's why I love when I see, you know, coming out of Microsoft stuff like this, right? Because yeah. it's like, I'm like, come on, guys, just get, you know, catch up there. No like Lord. Surface, you've seen, have you seen oh, Surface? I've seen Surface. Surface is awesome. Amazing. And it's like, you know, okay, let's get that guy, give him more devs, <laughs> right? Whoever <laughs> research, you know, give the guy more devs, more money, drop the price down, and let's do, you know, some serious catch up. Yeah. Right? You guys like Surface?
2: They, uh, very cool.
3: The demo is out. If you haven't seen it, it's out at the Microsoft booth here. So. how many of you have one?
2: Just kidding. Yeah.
1: anybody want want one
2: at fifteen thousand dollars? Keep your hands up. Okay, all the hands went down. What's the so what is the threshold? Ten thousand dollars. Still no hands. I probably think five. If it, they were five thousand,
1: how many would buy yeah, five's one? Five
2: still pretty yeah, steep. There's a couple of hands. Four. Now fifty bucks. Oh, there on, you yeah. go. We lit the room lit up. 10,000 hands just went up. Yeah, we lit the room.
1: You know, if it was as expensive as a uh, you know, fairly decent computer that you were going to buy anyway.
2: Well, that's yeah. where you get the 5,000 from. It's yeah, a yeah. high-end computer. Yeah, my first computer that won't fit into uh, an overhead bin.
1: I want to just take a minute to uh, bring you a message from our sponsor, Telerik. Our friends at Telerik are working hard as usual to bring you exciting new stuff for your .NET toolbox. How about two brand-new control suites, RAD controls for WPF and RAD controls for Silverlight? That's right. If you started building next-generation applications, you now have UI components with Telerik quality and Telerik reliability. Both product lines are derived from the same code base and share the same API, so transition is seamless. Uh, They have many improvements in the other robust suites for ASP.NET, AJAX, and Windows Forms also, as well as the intuitive reporting tool. But product alone isn't everything. To jumpstart your projects and help you easily get up to speed with these great tools, Telerik has got a couple unique training resources, the Telerik Interactive Trainer and Telerik TV, of course, which I'm the host of. Now, that's what I call summer heat. Go check out all the details at Telerik.com, T-E-L-E-R-I-K.com. And if you happen to run into those guys, say thanks for supporting .NET Rocks.
3: So another – well, I was just going to say another thing that occurred to me with regard to noise – is, you know, the idea of navigating through it. Noise, one of the things that, that makes up noise is a lot of data, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, I, I don't work with applications that tend to have a lot of data that you can drill into and then come back. You know, I, I, I do stuff with source code, which s- somewhat simulates that, but really mm-hmm. it's not quite the same as I think what most developers kind of work in, those yeah. worlds. But, but I envision a world where, you know, people that, that run those your applications, right, and are, are drilling through your data have the ability to just say, hey, you know what? this is this is a relevant snapshot of the data. You know, just kind of say, let me let me stick that on my stack of relevant stuff, and drill in, drill in, drill in, drill in, drill in. Oh, this one's also relevant. Let's pop that up on the stack, and then you know keep kind on of doing that. And then let's let's jump back to my relevant points. You know, boom, boom, boom. And then maybe work with those. Right? Having those pictures available, and then what does that imply when I'm jumping back and changing views? One of the things that's really important is to restore the view, the scroll position of the data, and the caret selection position, whatever your the cursor, whatever you're using to show selection, restore that where it was when we were right there.
2: Right. It's sort of like the point of intuition. The point at which you thought, I need to go further. You want to capture that so you can always get back there to chase it in a different way. So,
3: like, here's an example where it doesn't work. Inside Visual Studio, let me go... i got to get to a bigger file to demonstrate this. If I... Get some method, and and to best see it at its worst. So I'm, I'm demonstrating it at its worst. Sure. Okay. Because if you if you, I can also de- demonstrate in a way that it looks like it's perfect. Okay. Right. But to demonstrate at its worst, you need to put the thing you want to jump back to near the bottom or near the top. Not of, the near the me- of the screen. Of the screen. Of the view. So, All right. right? You- so you scroll in such a way so like my methods at the bottom of the screen. Right. Okay. And then I'm going to hit Control-KK to drop a marker there, a bookmark there, I mean. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go somewhere else, and I'm going to hit Control-KN. And then when it jumps back, I'm on the same line of code, but it shifted it up to the middle of the screen. Right, yeah. And so it doesn't, for a moment, it doesn't look like I'm in the right spot. Yeah,
2: I thought the exact thing, it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. But it only takes you a
1: a little bit of a second to figure out that, okay, they actually gave me more room. And
3: my point is that you're screwed. Okay. So,
1: so, I disagree. I think that's so, a good thing. So
3: here's the thing. So, so let's calculate that cost. All okay. Right. Let's say that, you know, the average developer uses a bookmark once a day. Because some people don't use it at all. All right? So once a day it hits them and it maybe gets them like a a one second hit, a two second hit. Okay. Okay, two second hit. And so that happens once a day, so we say eight hour day, so this is one over eight.
1: No, no, no. No, see, this doesn't work because they only have to do that once to know that now it's in the middle of the screen. No,
3: it's a jump every time. I think it's a jump every time.
2: Every time you jump, there's going to be that moment of uncertainty we look for.
1: Raise your hand if this is a problem for you, developers. It's a couple of wow, okay. handful of hands.
3: Okay. So let's oh. let's let's just go down and let's put in some numbers. Let's assume that Richard's right, because with you, you know okay, clearly, I don't there's no way I can argue. Clearly <laughs> right. If yeah. you say it's a one time hit only, in other words you're be right for to me. the middle. It would be for me. Okay, but now there's one other hit though. Your cursor's not in the same spot anymore. The carrot's over at the beginning of the line. You've got to bring them back out. Hmm. That's like a second. Okay. Would you buy that?
1: All right, now okay. how much would you pay?
3: Now, well, hold on. <laughs> so let's go in here and so let's do this. So let's say you're going to every hour, you know, one, one eighth of an hour, something like that.
1: So Mark's got his spreadsheet. Uh, so up here's here. the hit. Um, the price oh, of a clip. Number price of users. Of
3: a click. Uh, let's put in number of Visual Studio users, which I think is around 10 million. Is that right? One, two, three. No,
1: I don't think it's
3: that
2: <laughs>
1: high. You don't think it's 10
3: million? Well, I know it's at least six million. It's at least that. Okay, is that right? There's six one, million. Six okay. million. Alright, so what is the, uh, uh, let's see here, the dev man months is 65,000, well, let's divide that by uh, 12 and get the total number of dev man years, that's 548 dev man years that uh, that feature has just put on the world, right? 548, I blame you
2: for 48 million dollars in lost productivity, okay. Carl. I
1: feel so stupid. And, 48
2: million. Uh, by the way, you didn't add that extra second for the fact that I had to scroll back to the carrot.
3: I'm sorry. We need more. <laughs> We're at three seconds it's now. It's 72
2: million dollars, Carl. That's almost a millennium. How can you argue this? That
3: Microsoft has charged the world in terms of lost productivity. Features are going to get delivered Let's later. Let's go get those guys. And wait, wait, wait for it. How many hours of computer time are we burning unnecessarily? (laughs) We're destroying the planet planet with this It's the end of the global
2: warming is caused I by that. I will never Plat disagree with you lawsuits. again. <laughs> All right, I'm we'll find J Rocks.
3: We're going to get that guy. All I'm saying is, and and this is the point, right? Yeah. We have a, I, I believe. Just, I mean, even if you say, okay, that's ridiculous, carbon footprint. I, that, you know, I don't buy that, Mark. Even if you, even if it's extreme, you don't buy it. At some point between zero, between your position initially and my position, there's a truth.
2: It's me. At
3: well, actually, some point, I,
1: I I totally agree with this. Uh, what price a click? I just think. Think maybe there'd be a better example, like stuff that happens again and again and again.
3: Okay, I, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Like my favorite of that is is this one. There are lots of examples of this. I want to add a reference, huh? Let me do yeah. that. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Perfect oh, example. Our
2: last. Around do, 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 do. and wait. So How many do, references have you got here?
3: Yeah. So this one bugs, bugs me times. too. Right. We have a more. I think we have, to some degree, a moral responsibility. That's a huge to problem. To create efficient UI. Yeah. Now, this is not this is this is not a necessarily a huge problem because like, you, you don't hit this. Everybody doesn't hit this every day, like in the other one, right? But this is something that that people do hit and it's a huge waste and it's an easy fix, right? What if I just put this up first and I you know in the background, yeah. like my you know, I, I was gonna say my good friend Let's Rotor, but the, you know, he might object to that, but <laughs> but like the good guy, Let's Rotor, yeah. right? Yeah. When he brings up stuff, he he shows people right. that he knows how to do it, right? right? He uses a background thread to load sure. that stuff up sure right how hard is that to do and so my and opinion, to bring Microsoft up the, and bring everybody.
1: up the short list first you know, the, the stuff that yeah, most people bring use. Bring up the thing that's easy to calculate. Bring up and then the netnet uh, .NET Framework you know, libraries that everybody uses first.
3: Right, exactly. And, you know, I didn't allow the color commentary to go during that to explain what we were just doing. But <laughs> well, no, I think
2: but
1: everybody
3: figured out. You
2: said, that. let's add a yeah. reference. Yeah. I was betting the reference dialogue would come yeah. up after that. And
3: the thing is, is. is you're just, right. I'm just saying. You're right, okay. <laughs> So, my mom's going to be listening, and I just want to make sure that, you know, she knew everything that was happening. Hi, mom. So, um, the, here's the thing that I hate about this is how many times has this come up and you've just wanted to be here or here, right? Yeah, yeah. You've just been penalized for about 12 seconds Because yeah. somebody said this is the one we want to put up and yeah.
2: we're going to do it in a always pull way. up the most Costly tab when all you wanted was the tab with the short Even left. if
1: there was under references if they broke down the categories and then you could add a reference from that category that would d- Decrease the number exactly of great seconds. idea. I like that Right, uh, oh,
3: right. A right click five. here, and, and there's another menu item. Yeah, add really. reference, and then there's an add reference from project with just a sub menu. Right, right, right. Holy goodness, that would be good. Wouldn't it? Wow, That'd be nice. Call Franklin. You're a genius. Microsoft. Microsoft genius. I have redeemed myself.
2: Genius. Seventy-two million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you still got to work. Million. It <laughs> I haven't. Million. I haven't paid that off yet. I'll take
1: okay. a grand off. Actually that would be a significant amount. Let's add let's add that up. Shall let's we? add it up. How much how, time I find would out we how much save? money I've just saved the just a world. Map. Oh, you want to get the I want the, the, the spreadsheet that on that. Is? Yeah.
3: So that that we think is like how long was that Wait, like, No, longer like, longer seconds. Seconds. Right, so it was absolutely. longer than that. All right. It was longer than 14 seconds? So 14. We'll, we'll seconds. say it was 14 seconds. How often does this happen? This I do that rare. four or five times a day. Really, no. you do not. Sure. You don't. No, you don't add it. <laughs> you course. do. But you're an average developer, so I'm going to put this like at about one thousandth of a time. It happens in every hour. You do one one thousandth of it. Is that right? Is that one one thousandth? Okay. That, does anybody yeah. agree with that? How and many? Then number how many users people say do a
1: reference one a day?
2: No. Really? I got so two hands, three hands. So still. Once a week. Okay. Okay. Half wow. the room did once a week. So is All
3: that? Right. Are we? close So to on anything?
2: forty hours. It's a fortieth. No, it's well, it's a second out of forty hours. Boy, that's a lot of math. Hey, you've got a spreadsheet open. Figure it out.
3: So let's do this. So it's equal to. (laughs) It's equal to um, what? What is it? Forty. Forty hours divided by uh, wait, no, no, it's one divided by forty divided by uh, uh, sixty. Oh no, 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 no. Forty hours. 2,400? Yeah. I don't understand why you're... You, this Somebody is the agrees. the times it happens The smart people are agreeing. Hour. It's a oh, number of times hour. it happens per hour. Per hour. Okay. Well, it so is 140th. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought it was per minute. All right. All right. 51 million. Boy, right. dude. Hey, hey
3: I am in the red. No, you the red. Can we edit that little, you know, embarrassing your, part? Your, your
2: mathematical numbers? inability? Yeah. Can we do that? I a skull that big. You uh, couldn't do that math. A, do no, not ask
3: me what I majored
2: in. Seriously. Okay.
1: So what are some of the other things that we can do to reduce noise and increase discoverability? How about some other good examples of applications that do a good job of this? I'll tell you, I saw um, some stuff from uh, uh, Data Dynamics, the, the uh, analytics stuff. Has anybody seen that? Analytics from Data Dynamics? Great UI. They 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 work with a lot of complex data. They can go against an OLAP engine and just bring up variables and change them, and the data graphs just change as they're entering the filters. Nice. So
3: you get some feedback live. Immediate from you're feedback. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. I like that a lot. It's it it. I, I remember a long time ago, I, I felt like I was one of the few guys that when you clicked a checkbox to disable something in a UI, that I would actually disable all the corresponding controls. Yeah. So you could immediately see what that impact was. Right. Right. Um Trillion Pro does this kind of an interesting approach in their options dialogue. There's no cancel button. It's just you see the live effect of it right there happening as you make the what change. Works still, this. I think
1: the Trillion has a discoverability problem with a lot of their features. It's yeah, very complex. I, it's not,
3: yeah, but uh, I, I, I'm just mentioning it because yeah. they use this interesting kind of feedback approach. Yeah. I still like I'm more comfortable with cancel and having previews instead. I like mm. that instead, having preview pieces. Mm-hmm. Like um, I'll show you. This is actually a uh, um, this is a plugin that I, I wrote and blogged about. In fact, this is something that we can you know if we want to go outside the bounds of this, but it demonstrates some good UI principles. Mm-hmm. But this is a feature I blogged about. I gave instructions, step by step instructions, to create this feature inside Visual Studio, so everybody can have this feature.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I don't know the link, but I'm sure we can Google it and bring it up. Oh yeah, I do know the link. It is um, devexpress.com. Slash uh, clipboard is what it is. Think TV in the front there. Yeah, I'll change that. I got it, thanks. I think it's clipboard. www.defexpress.com.clipboard. Let's see if that hits it.
2: Nope.
3: Let's try clipboard history then. Let's try that.
1: Before that porn site comes up in front of all these people,
3: let's try that. Yeah,
1: clipboard history. I forgot this is Vegas. I'm sorry, sir
3: and and so what this does is this gets you to the first of a 12-part article that takes you through the steps. And here's the feature I'll show you, it's kind of cool. Um, as I copy things to the clipboard, like this, I'm just copying things in here mm-hmm. taking them to the clipboard, they will show up on the history, and there you can see the pieces that I copied.
1: Okay, so you've got now got a grid of nine boxes, each with right. the pieces Whatever you that copied are in the, the clipboard.
3: Board. Right, and the selected entry, the cursor is indicated by a frame around the piece that's selected. Right, and you can move the arrow keys, I bet. So yeah, if you move the arrow keys, plus if you look at the bottom, I've got a status bar mm-hmm. that shows the keys you can press. In other words, I address discoverability Mm -hmm. right? by putting, by simply just spitting out the text that says here's how you use this UI. I also, one of the cool things about this is that it shows each piece in uh, syntax highlighted code. Right? So you're so, maintaining the formatting. Yes, and what, what's what, what, and if we're talking in UI terms, I'm consistent with your user model. Oh, right? Very nice. Your user model is what you expect. So I use the same uh, uh, syntax highlighting colors that you use for, for it. In other words, if you had a completely different color scheme, you'd see the syntax highlighting in that color scheme. Hmm. Um, one of the options I can do here, notice it says hold control kit to maximize the code view. Because you notice one of the things that's happening is we're seeing clipped views, right? As right. We Only pieces here. of the code. Right, I hold the control key down, and now I see the whole thing. Ah. This is also consistent with some other things. I've seen other places where you hold the control key down to see more. And we've used that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we do that with our menus, where you can hold the control key down to hide our menus when we're doing the preview hinting in the background, so you can see more of that preview hinting. In addition to this, if I right-click this, I have more discoverability, right? Right-click is a user model convention, right? If I, in, yeah. in Windows, it is. Right? So I right-click, and I see more things that I can do, including options. So if I click on Options, here's what I was saying before. I like showing previews, right, So and having cancel. So here is the way I can change the number of cells in the Options page. With here sliders
1: for the X and Y axis, and as you move them, the number of boxes on the screen changes.
3: Right, and this is just a preview that's changing, right? Just my a my, my actual clipboard history in the background has not updated yet. Likewise, I can change the selector color to something else.
1: That'd be a nice utility to have in any application, not just in Visual Studio.
3: Yeah, uh, it would, but it's we're here.
1: No, sure. Yeah, i just one saying. Of,
3: one of the other things that's kind of cool about that. Is, so now you've seen what we've done is we now just you know massively increased the we number. You can see of, a
2: lot of, uh, lot of clipboard, clipboard copies. Right,
3: right. We've got like I don't know what I did. What did I do? One, two, three, four, seven times five. Looks like we have thirty-five entries now.
2: Wow, that's good math. Um,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. Shut up. We're editing out the early part, right? <laughs> if we're editing out the earlier part, you can edit out that last shut up, in which that's case right. I'll say thank you, Richard. <laughs> but if we're not, keep the shut up. Okay? Okay. All right. And you can cut out the shut to the other part. So let me show you something that's kind of neat about this. Maybe I'll, I'll cut something a little more interesting to the clipboard. Let's take this, convert to VB loop, whatever this thing is. Whatever this code is. I don't even know what this code does, but you can see this is a C sharp sharp code I just put on the clipboard. Let's go over to our VB file and come over here, and this is the the final cool feature in this, and we'll we'll, we'll come over here, we'll hold the control key down there, we can see it. We can right-click it and choose Paste as Basic.
1: Nice.
3: Okay, so it knows that it was copied from C-sharp, right, so it knows where it came from, and then now it can paste it over here. Then, that's pretty genius should probably be the default
1: if you're pasting c-sharp code into a VB
3: well thing. because I wrote the blog and give you full source code you could change that sure right you could make it change that you could change it to be that way the the and so anyway this this cool. feature is cool so I'm glad we're actually talking about it because this is everybody can get this Wow right and speaking of things that everybody can get can I continue to sure. plug like crazy absolutely code rush Express was just really recently released for c-sharp developers. And it's free. Whoa. And it's licensed by the Visual C Sharp team. Nice. On behalf of all developers working 2008. Wow. Okay.
2: So if you own 2008, you can get... Code Rush Express.
3: Right. And it, and like I said, it's for free. And you can just do a, if you do a, a Google search for Code Rush and the word Express without the letter E at the beginning. So it's an uppercase X. Okay. Okay. And you search for that. You'll probably, I think the top hit was Charlie Calvert's blog and then he's got a link to it. But it's got some cool features in it. And, and, and if I could, can I show them? Sure. That? Yeah, so go ahead. Does it sound good to do that? But let's do this. Let's create a new, a brand new application and we'll just show you some of the features that are inside Code Rush Express. Um, that are very cool. So I'll create a console application.
1: If you've never used Code Rush, it's, uh, it is exactly like it sounds. It's a rush to use. Sort of uh, coding on steroids.
3: Okay. So I'm creating a new application, and I'm going to write some code that uh, uh, inside here... I'm going to s- write some code that says new character, and uh, I'll pass in like Lois Lane as the parameter to this. And uh, I will now hit the code rush refactor key. And when I say code rush refactor key, um, the default, if you download it and don't change any settings, is control plus the back tick key, which is right up near the uh, tilde. Something
1: nobody say. else would ever use for anything. Yeah,
3: it's it's not the best, but, you know, the problem is, is when we're doing an add-on for Visual Studio, all of these shortcuts are taken. Yeah, right. So right. Um, so we'll, we'll hit the code rush refactor key. Now, I like to bind that. I bind it to num0, because mm-hmm. I always carry this keyboard with me, my, my extended keyboard, mm-hmm. and num0 is very fat, big, yeah. and I don't use it for anything else. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, Hanselman likes to bind it to, you know, just the tilde key itself. Yeah. But the point is, is that if you're really exploiting it, you'll be using it a lot, so you want a big key. Yeah. Right? So I do num0.
2: Can we, uh, bind it to caps lock?
3: Yeah, I want to. I totally <laughs> want to bind it to caps lock. Just, um, I'm just asking. I've not done the research to do it. <laughs>
2: Because I, I don't use caps lock for anything, and it's a big key. Yeah,
3: so what
1: happened here to the radio? Audience? Holy cow! All right.
3: So so I hit the ref, code rush refactor key. Yeah. And code rush express says, uh, "Well, look, you've got. I just typed a new character. Character doesn't exist yet. And it okay. says you can declare a local variable for that. And it, it's it's context sensitive, right? Wherever the caret is, I'm at the end of the line. Mm-hmm. So I'll take that. And, and then, I,
2: and I notice you've got the whole preview effect where you're striked right. out the existing line of code that you've written and you've got hovering over it in a box than what the new line would replace it with.
1: Exactly. And so, uh, okay, so the tooltip says what is going to, how it's going to and, change. And
3: there's also a tooltip, but I almost never read the tooltip. Okay. In other words, if we're doing the job right, the preview hit tells you everything you says need. says
1: declare local. That's the, that's the action that's going to take. Exactly. So now if you just hit what? Enter? Enter.
3: And Boom. then now I, now, now notice what happens. I hit enter and it selects a, a, a variable name that it gave to me based on what I typed in. It, so it says character, uh, it's calling it character with a lowercase c. Character
1: character equals new character.
3: Right, that's what it's saying. Now, the first character was uppercase, and the last yeah, the one was as well. One, yeah. Right. Um, so we're now at the variable name. So let's call mm-hmm. it Lois. Now it's, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, well, it's just, you, just to reiterate, since the second character, the variable name, was selected, you just have to start typing. I just typing. type it. Yeah.
3: Right? So now let's put the caret on character. The first okay. character. Yeah, the first one that we, yeah, or or it could be the last one. Either one doesn't matter. But it's matter. the type. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the type that haven't we haven't declared yet. Yeah. Let's hit the code rusher factor key and choose declare class. Ooh. Okay. We could also declare struct, but well, let's do declare class. And now it's declared a class for us. It sees that there's a constructor needed. Cool. It takes a string, and I passed in. By the way, I don't think I explained this, but I said new character Lois Lane. That was a string I passed. Yeah. In. So and that's so a constructor. Now all I have to do is just type in name, for example. Okay.
2: For the name of the parameter. Right,
3: exactly. If I hit enter, it takes me down inside, and I can now um, remove this throw not implemented, which, by the way, I'm going to ask in our next version to not put throw not implemented inside of constructors. In methods it makes sense, I think, but in constructors I don't think it makes sense because a lot of times you can just have empty constructors, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But let's go back up on that name parameter. You know how we are talking about the, the um, Visual Studio Ribbon being context sensitive. Yeah. The same thing is here. With with Code Rush Express, you get a number of refactorings and a number of what we are calling code providers, these things that you're seeing in the blue menu right now that I'm okay. showing. Um, and they're context sensitive. But you don't see them all, you don't see them on the menu because they're context sensitive, right? Hmm. So you were to ask me four about strategies for dealing with noise. One right. is context. Yeah. If I have a sense of what the user's trying to do, right. which I can get from the state, I can just the first step is look at state in the current yeah. Where is he time. looking and what is he doing? Second step is to look back in time as well, right, to see what where trends are, hmm. right? Or, or the undo stack or redo stack, like what did we just do? We just did an undo and, you know, that kind of thing. But first step is the easiest, just look at the current state. Right? right. So based on that, if I put the caret now inside on the name parameter, hit the code rush refactor key, I see some refactorings, but I also see a code provider called declare field with initializer. And if I select that, it's going to declare a field called underscore name and assign it to that value being passed in. Cool. Okay. It, allow, it selects the whole thing, allows me to change, and now that I've got two of those references, you see green boxes indicating that they are linked up. Mm-hmm. So this is like a big productivity boost for folks that are working in C-sharp
2: yeah, because um, now you can change one and it's going to change the
3: other. Exactly. Well, I mean, I mean the whole. The, the, I was just talking about code Research express. That's okay. what I mean. It's there's a lot of cool, powerful features inside of this. Yes, yeah, so if I make a change to do, I wanted to call it something else, like uh, I don't know, like full name or something like that. I could call it full name. It would be different, hmm. right? Um, I'll give you a list. I'll go back over here, and you can kind of see the things that are in here. Um, some some really powerful features. One of them was the, the piece I showed at the very beginning where you have that, um, that filtering and that navigation to symbol and also navigation to file where you have that intelligent filtering. That's inside of their, the, the CodeRush Express. Also, you have one of my favorite navigation features called tab to next reference. And I love this one because it makes use of a lot of things. If I'm here on character, the okay. constructor inside uh-huh. the character class, all I have to do is hit the tab key and it'll take me to the next reference to that constructor, right? And I can go back and forth.
2: Wow. Okay. Right. And, and that'll go all the way through the app.
3: The whole solution. Every single reference. Wow. In fact, I can even go, I mean, to really prove it, this is a very small app we just created, but I, I could do it beyond string and do the same thing and now go to all strings. It's
1: and funny. if you're in the middle of a string, maybe, and you want to use a tab, it's not going to, do that. Right. So let's look at
3: that. That's context. So if we were in here, let's see what happens.
1: In here. Where's here?
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Inside the string lowest lane. Okay. I just hit the tab key and it goes. Yeah, it's like a tab. And if I'm at the beginning of the line and I hit the tab key, it indents. Yeah. And in fact, if I want to go to the next reference of character and I'm at the beginning of the line, I have to just move in. And then hit the tab
1: key. All right. Very cool. Very cool. What do you think?
3: tab to next reference. It's cool. (laughs) It's cool because it's a big keystroke, right? Tab is easy to hit. It answers that question, where else is this thing I'm looking for? Immediately, without doing anything else. Going, oh, the other thing it does is it drops a marker for you so you can get back to where you started. And if I hit escape, it's going to take me to where the last time I started a tab Linux reference. Escape one more time, it takes me in there. And you see that, that little subtle animation to get my eyes in the right spot. And that goes with respecting gaze. Right, we're talking yeah. about you know, in other words, where are you looking? That sort right. of thing. Don't make me and look
2: all over the
1: place. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. Don't let me hunt. Don't make me hunt and search How for.
2: How many me. times have we done a find on a huge block of text and it's obviously found it? You just can't figure out where it found it.
3: <laughs> By the way, Carl, I want to do the demo. I've tried doing
1: this twice for you. All oh, right, the, but, the one that with, when you're using Camtasia, it doesn't work. It doesn't. Yeah,
3: it, here's the demo I want to do because you've never seen it. Every time you're just like, okay, Miller, you're flipping <laughs> crazy. You say it's going to happen, but it never, yeah, happens. never happens. So here's so, the and demo. And we'll have to Describe
1: it. Of okay. so,
3: so first of all, let's show, let's show the way it works in Visual Studio. Let's come up here and let's search for the letter E. And let's put the um, uh, put this in a place where we're gonna block the first find of it. Okay? Okay. So I'm gonna click on it. So what I've done is I've said, let's search for the letter E and the code. E in the code, I put the caret at the very top of the file, the mm-hmm. far left, and I put the find and replace dialog right over all the usings. Yeah. Right. And now I'm gonna click on find next. And what happens is it moves it. I can click It
1: moves a, the dialog out of the way to show the first
2: right. match. E.
3: And I can click again and again and again. And, oh, look, I finally clicked to a point where it moved the dialog so far it that moved the, your button. the yeah. button is no longer under the mouse.
2: That's annoying. Yeah. So now
3: when I click, I'm like, oh, and I have to chase it. Yeah. Have you ever had to chase yeah. this?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: So here's what's going on. They're solving one problem, right? In other words, respecting gaze, information in parallel, yeah. showing you the relevant data. They're trying to solve that problem, mm-hmm. and they've inherited a new problem, which is, oh, I got to go chase this. Right.
2: So shouldn't the mouse pointer just go with?
3: Yeah. That's the thing that we talk about, and I was never able to demonstrate it. Everybody thought it was crazy until now.
2: So the, now
3: you're in Excel. Watch this. I'm in Excel.
1: Well, okay. set it up for us. Two, what do you, you okay. have a, a spreadsheet that has a bunch of diagonal just a, data.
3: Just a bunch of le- data, and the whole reason I'm just trying to do a search for the data. it's okay. all got the letter A all the way across it, diagonally. I'm intentionally putting data behind the find and replace. Okay. Okay? I'm dragging the find and replace over it up at the top. I'm searching for that data that I know is in all those cells, the letter A. Okay. I'm going to click on find next. And watch what happens ah, to the mouse. Ooh, cool. the mouse pointer
2: goes with the button. It that's does. Cool. So the relative position of the you know button what, is the You know
1: what's interesting is because in the original Windows UI spec or whatever it was, the design guide, uh, they said you should never, ever move the mouse pointer. is yeah, that right? Yeah, I've heard
3: that before. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I think that's not true. I think they're in... And, and I used to be the only guy in the crazy bucket, but now <laughs> the Excel team is in the crazy bucket well, with me. Obviously. But the the, the Word doesn't do this, by the way. But I, I would make the point this.
2: that... Hmm. What Excel is doing here is not moving the mouse pointer, because the mouse pointer is still in the relative position that matters in context. It's still over the button, which is where you left the mouse pointer.
3: Exactly. And the the rule that we get from all this is if you Mm. click on something that moves the mouse, you should seriously consider. I'm sorry, if you click on something that moves the UI underneath it, you should seriously consider moving the mouse with it. Okay. Right, And I'll show you one other example of this that, that's kind of interesting. Um, so here I had tree view, and I realized that when somebody was in a situation where they wanted to open up a node in the tree view and see what the children were, and the node was scrolled to the bottom, uh, right? Yeah. that w- What happens in that case? Well, it opens up the children dutifully, and but you don't see them. Right. And so you move the mouse away, you scroll down, and see them. Mm. So, So the first thing was, let's move it. The first step was, let's move it when you click so we can show people. Well, what happens when you move it is, is the, uh, um, the mouse stays down at the bottom. And so if you see that that's not what you want, you, cl- you instinctively click again to close it, but you're off.
1: Now you move what? You move the list yourself. You move the list, right? Yeah. So the first
3: thing we do is move the list to scroll up.
1: And you that
3: wasn't list. working because a lot of behavior is click to open, click to close. Right. So then the next thing we did is we said, okay, let's try moving the mouse and see if anybody freaks out. Okay. And nobody noticed we were moving the mouse, just like you, you right. know, your observation, right? I want to go back to Excel, show you one more thing in mm. Excel that's kind of fun. If you do that, and you can do this in two thousand and seven, right? You set it up just like I said before, right? Okay. Now this time you put, make sure Find Next has focus. You move the mouse up, like I don't know, above the Insert menu, and then hit the Enter key because Find Next has focus. Watch what happens to the mouse.
2: It's, it's moving moves. down with it.
3: Uh, that's uh, funny. It moves, but no. it's in the wrong
1: relative
2: position. So,
3: I, you know, I shouldn't make fun of people in the crazy bucket with me because they, <laughs> they might jump out of the crazy bucket. <laughs> but, 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 But this is a... Now, like, now, how do you fix this? Well, imagine the architecture for Excel. It's probably well-designed, right? Mm. And it's probably highly decoupled. So when the find next command comes in, they got no idea if it came from the mouse or the keyboard. Yeah. They don't know. To fix it, they got to now embed that all the way up the stack at the beginning right so it's there's an architectural change probably right in order to fix this but to me watching this and seeing this example it's really compelling justification for doing that embedding that information it is relevant whether I clicked on something or hit the key it's relevant in some cases and this is a prime example where it is Mm. I would love to see them fix it in the next version I'd love to see Word have this too It's interesting. So uh, it, it, there are
1: good points and there are bad points about Office which we've been picking on quite a lot uh for good and bad. Uh and some other applications that you brought up and I noticed you had some slides for maybe we could touch on some of those.
3: Right, one of my other uh, my favorite applications. Well, well a couple things. One is um I really like the iPhone interface. It is um it, Yeah, like I do too. I you know, I uh,
1: just a little story. My phone was stolen in Barcelona last week. Oh, Stolen. I Stolen, yeah. So I, yesterday I bought my first iPhone.
3: Is that where that phone you sold me came from?
1: Damn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and i got to agree. I, I think I, there's a lot of little things, context sensitivity, yeah. a lot of little things that just make operation so much easier. And, and it, for example, and, and so, when, when the keypad comes up for you to enter in an email address, yep. it's got a dot and an at sign already there with the letters i don't have to hit a shift key
3: right you know little things like exactly. that. exactly very so, nice. so you like that i do and remember we were talking before you were like "Oh, it's only two seconds right remember huh? that remember that that 72 million dollar mistake you made okay so i got i
1: gotta justify myself here When when that problem when that problem happens and the 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 screen shifts up to the the first time that happens that burns in my brain ah this is how this behaves and I get and it doesn't cost me two seconds every time after that it's a bad example
2: no I just totally disagree with you I think there's still a fundamental stop where you got to figure out where did that go
1: here's the
3: thing Carl when you work with the iPhone you have a general sense of being pleased right.
1: Yes, it warms my cockles of my heart. Well yes. you do
3: you do, right? You generally think cool, neat, fun, right? You could generally think this is easy is what it is. It's certainly not a negative reaction. No, it's good. Right? Do you feel the same way when you're writing code? When you're, when you're interacting with the UI? Only if I'm able? using Code Rush. Right.
2: Ah, nice plug. <laughs> that's, that's 20 million what, right
3: there. That's totally serious. So, but you see what I'm saying? It is, yeah. it, it, it's, that's the goal that we're going for, right? Yeah. And, and the difference in your reactions, right, between that and whatever you feel when you're normally, when you're like, you know, having to call, recall all of these, you know, little training programs you wrote in your head to get around the fact that view is shifting, right? Or I have to hit control KC to comment something out, but control KU to Comment right? Mm. All of these things that I've I've done to train myself to adapt right, mm. they take away from your your ability to really have a pleasant experience right. If if the iPhone can give it to you, I contend that Microsoft can do it as well right. Sure. Microsoft can give it to you, and anybody and we can do give it to our customers. Sure, it's 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 a matter of identifying the things you do a lot of and giving making it more efficient. You know, making yeah. it feel like, "Hey, we know what we think. We think we know what you're going to do," and and, and, and and letting you have that experience, Yeah. right? Yeah, they know. That's exactly what I wanted.
1: I agree.
2: Guys, we're down to the last couple of minutes.
1: Uh, geez, do we have time for a question? Does any Does anybody have a question?
2: Yeah. This one back there.
1: Uh, so, the question is: the average salary on Mark's slide is right. eighty-eight thousand. Oh, eighty-eight thousand. Yeah, it's eighty-eight thousand.
3: 8, um, it looks like I don't have a. Um, yeah, it's eighty-eight thousand. This is the average salary right here uh, for a U.S. developer. This was as of about a month or two ago.
1: Should be yeah. thirty-five thousand now. Is that what it is? Thirty-five thousand now. <laughs> I, I
3: thought I had a comment here that's, that cited the source, but you can you can probably Google those words and.
2: Nice. Ah, I sit next to his boss. So, uh, just as clarification, is is that salary high or low? <laughs> well, it's very nice. So, it's very nice.
3: Yeah. So It's so, making
2: him feel all warm. Like yeah. the iPhone.
3: Yeah, if you are not paying your devs, then there's no way. <laughs> yeah. Better. So, but, uh,
1: Well, Mark, uh, are you, you speaking mean? here at Dev Connections? Did you already speak? or where's your yeah, next, I, When's I, your next I, appearance? I,
3: my next appearance is actually tomorrow morning, which is going to be last week for most sure. people that hear this. After um, that? Uh, you know, I'm kind of, you're going to disappear from the face of the earth a little bit. Okay. Guess, Got yeah. some
1: things to tend to?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for
1: Mark Miller. <laughs> thanks for listening to Donya Rocks! <laughs>